series entitled Truth or Consequences, which is part of the overall series we've been doing this summer on apologetics. And this morning we're going to continue the, the message that I began last week and develop then into the title that was given for this morning, and that is, Are There Absolutes? In John chapter 18, we have seen this morning already in the Scripture reading the question by Pilate. Preceding that question, however, Jesus made a statement to him in which he said, I came into the world to testify to the truth. It was that statement that caused Pilate to sarcastically respond to Jesus, what is truth? Now, whether in sarcasm or with some other attitude, that is a question that is very common in the world in which you and I live today. What is truth? And last week we began to answer that question as best as we could with uh, a very practical kind of definition. Truth is that which corresponds to reality. A little boy comes to his mother and he has chocolate around his mouth. And she says to him, son, have you been in the M&Ms? And he looks up at her and he says, no. Is that the truth? Well, unfortunately, it doesn't correspond with reality. He's been in the candy and the evidence shows that he has. And so the truth is what corresponds with reality. It is unchangeable. It's, it's dependable. It's what is real. It's what is um, real as opposed to what is false or what changes or what, is, uh, what only seems to be. Truth is what conforms to reality. Not everyone, however, agrees that truth is defined that way. Some people can say that you cannot know for sure what truth is that it's a silly idea even to talk about truth. Others say that we can know some truths, but there are other truths like questions about ultimate reality that we cannot know, such as questions of God and morality. Still others will say, well, there is truth, but all truth is relative. What truth is depends on a variety of things, including the situation. But the Christian view of all of this is simply that truth exists. Truth exists. Absolute truth exists. And a step further, you can know what it is. Now, every Christian should be able to defend that idea because that idea is under attack in our culture. Truth exists, and you can know what it is. And I want to go one step further and say that discovering the truth is your most urgent quest. If truth, in fact, exists, the most important question you must deal with today is what is truth? And that's what we want to talk about. What is truth? Last week in the message, we began answering that by saying that truth is what God is. Truth is what God is. When Jesus came into the world, He came as the truth, the God of truth. In John chapter 1, verse 14, the apostle John, writing about that, says that the Word, the Son of God, 
became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and, what's the last word? Truth. Full of grace and truth. God eternally exists as truth. So in answer to the question, what is truth? The first answer is, truth is what God is. He is the God of truth. Now today we want to press on into the message and think about a second way to answer that question, what is truth? And it's this, truth is what God establishes. Truth is what God establishes. God, who is truth, has created a world in which truth exists as an integral reality. Now, if that statement is true, then it must necessarily be evident. We must be able to see it. If one is looking for the truth, it must be obvious to us if, in fact, God has created a world in which truth exists as an integral, integrated reality. Open your Bible to Romans chapter 1 and verse 18. To these striking words by the Apostle Paul, he says, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men. Who, he says, suppress the truth. It means that they, they hold down, they restrain the truth by their wickedness since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. Paul is in this text saying what we have said in the, uh, the point, that God has established truth and it is integrated into the whole of creation. What may be known about God is plain to anyone who will see it. But we live in a world that does not wish to see it. It restrains the truth. It holds it down. As verse 25 of this same chapter goes on to say, they, that is the godless, exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. When he says that they exchanged the truth for a lie, what he's saying is that this was a deliberate act of the will. It was not inadvertent. It was intentional. There is a deliberate rejection on the part of godless people of the truth. The paraphrase of the Bible that was written by Eugene Peterson puts the verse this way. They traded the true God for a fake God and worshiped the God they made instead of the God who made them. The reason that our world today has rejected the truth of God is because it wants to create its own God, one that makes them comfortable. 
And yet the existence of truth or absolutes in the universe, indeed the absolute necessity of them, if you'll pardon me for saying it that way, the absolute necessity of absolutes should be obvious to anybody. We sometimes call these absolutes universal truths or laws because they are rules or, or principles that govern us and the reality around us. They are apparent to us. These absolutes are critical to our lives. For example, consider a few of the absolutes or truths of science which God has built into science and into creation. We depend upon these stable, unchanging laws, which are called the laws of nature, for progress. We didn't make these laws. We simply discovered these laws are present in the universe. We discovered, for example, that there are parts to atoms, and they act in certain ways. We have discovered that there are certain basic chemical properties of the elements, and that combining them together in specific ways always produces the same result. We observe around us in creation that time moves forward and not backward. Have you ever noticed that? There's the law of action and reaction. The third law of motion that Newton wrote about states for every action there is an, an equal and opposite reaction. Now, all of these and hundreds more are laws or absolutes that are written into science. They have long been understood as absolutes. Robert Boyle, who was a 17th century philosopher and scientist and a Christian, said, nature is nothing else but God. Acting according to certain laws, he himself fixed. Folks, the scientific method by which we make discoveries would be absolutely nonsense and impossible without the assumption that there are unchangeable truths in this universe. What about mathematics? Two plus two equals what? Does two plus two ever equal nine? No, it doesn't. That is a truth. It's an absolute. A triangle is always composed of three sides and three angles, the angles of which add up to how many degrees? 180. Does it ever happen that they add up to 210? Not if it's a triangle. You see, there are absolutes in mathematics, and it's because of these kinds of absolutes these kinds of universal truths, if you will, that NASA was able to shoot a rocket several months ago with a, a payload, an 820-pound payload that they smashed into a comet 83 million miles away while that comet was moving at thousands and thousands of miles an hour. Someone said it was like shooting a bullet with a bullet. 
How are they able to make those kinds of mathematical calculations? It's because there are absolutes in mathematics. Where did they come from? Did we create them? No. They simply exist in our universe. And as Christians, we understand where they came from. They are not accidental. They are designed into our universe. If you'll pardon me for saying it this way, today a lot of evolutionary scientists have a wedgie going on. <laughs> because you see, they are confronted with a concept called intelligent design that they cannot escape. They can argue against it. They can, they can deny it. But a rational thinking person understands that there is design in this universe. If you don't want to label it as God having done it, then fine. Say you don't know where it came from. But acknowledge at least that there is design in this universe. They're in a lot of pain. I feel sorry for them. What about the absolutes of geography? I mean, facts are facts, aren't they? The Sea of Galilee is still located today in the Great Rift Valley at a certain longitude and latitude where it was 2,000 years ago when Jesus was here. It has not migrated over into Central Asia somewhere. It's a fact. That's where it is. San Jose is where it has been since the last earthquake at least. It was founded here. We know where San Jose is. When you get on an airplane in Chicago and you're going to fly to San Jose, the pilot doesn't come on and say, well, we're flying toward where San Jose used to be, and uh, we hope that when we get there, we can find it. No. He puts some numbers into the computer on the airplane, and the navigational system takes him to the San Jose airport because San Jose is fixed here. You see, there are facts. There are absolutes in geography. What about history? Well, there can be a variety of interpretations of history, right? That's true. History in that sense may be subjective, but historical facts are not. George Washington was the first president of the United States. That's a fact. Now, you may want to interpret nuances about that and do dances around it to come up with some kind of a theory politically, but the fact is he was the first president, and that doesn't change. It hasn't changed in 220 years, and it will still be true 500 years from now. Ronald Reagan died on June the 5th, 2004. That's a historical fact. You were born at a certain time and place to certain parents. That's absolute. That's not going to change. Jesus Christ lived on this earth. He died. He rose again from the dead. Those are all historical absolutes. They are real events. The truth corresponds in all of these cases with the reality. And in this sense, we can say, as many have, that all truth is God's truth. Now, there are people who will admit to this kind of truth that I've just described to you. They will say, yes, there is design in the universe. There are laws in the universe. 
What I'm saying is that that is truth that God has established. But they will then go on to say, while that kind of truth exists and can be known, you can't know truth about religion or morality. But Rick Cornish has some interesting questions. He says, why, why should these subjects be placed in a different category? He asks, how do you justify the inconsistency of divorcing them from truth while keeping math, science, and history in the realm of truth? He makes the statement, issues about God and spiritual matters either correspond to reality or they don't. Thus, they are subject to inquiry like other topics. They can be investigated even if by different methods. There is no justification for saying that truth about religion and morality is relative while all of these other things are absolute. That is a fundamental inconsistency in thinking. Ah, but someone says, there are so many different opinions about what is morally or theologically true. To which I say, true, pardon the pun. It is true there are lots of different opinions about spiritual things, about theology, about moral or ethical standards, lots of opinions. But does that therefore require that they're all correct just because there are lots of different opinions? Or on the other hand, does it require that none of them are correct because there are so many different opinions? No. Does the fact that there are so many different opinions, so many different religions, so many different belief systems require that just one of them cannot be the truth? No, it does not. Here's the human reality. The writer of Proverbs says it very succinctly, chapter 14, verse 12, there is a way which seems right to a man, but the end of it leads to death. Man continually seeks to develop in the areas of religion and morality his own way. And to him, based upon his own thinking, it seems right but in the end, it leads to death. Particularly in religion and morality, people want to create a system of thought or religion that makes them comfortable. And then they want to label that their truth. And in a world of relativism, that kind of thing flourishes. You see, sinners... And we're all sinners, some of us saved by grace. Sinners want to compartmentalize our world so that truth exists in some parts of our lives, but not in other parts of our lives. Oh, we want to depend upon fixed truth, 
when it doesn't challenge us in certain ways. When we want to travel somewhere, we want fixed truth. When we go to the doctor, we want fixed truth. When we're going to depend upon a computer to work with certain technology, we want fixed truth. Because none of that challenges us in our nature. But when we start feeling pressure and guilt and uncomfortable inside about the way we are living or who we are, then, oh, we're not so sure that we want fixed truth anymore. The rejection of moral truth has far more to do with the will than it does the intellect. Romans chapter 1 clearly confirms that. It's not that people cannot see and know the truth about God in the design of His universe. It's not that they cannot, it's that they will not accede to that. Sinners do not want to be held accountable to absolute truth. But folks, moral absolutes are absolutely essential. They are not arbitrary. They are essential for the protection of human life. They are essential for the protection of human freedom. When a culture gives up absolutes, it eventually is going to lose its genuine happiness, and its liberty. God establishes the truth. He establishes the facts, the ground rules, the realities that exist in our universe, whether they be mathematic or scientific or moral or spiritual, and that's the truth. Truth is what God establishes. Finally, I want to say that truth is what God says. What God says. When God speaks, He must speak consistently with His nature, which is truth. He cannot lie. He is who He is. In Numbers 23, 19, it says, God is not a man that He should lie. Titus 1, 2 says, God cannot lie. Everything that God says is the truth. God's Word is truth, and it changes lives. God's Word is what He says to you and me, and that Word changes lives. Jesus prayed, as we read earlier this morning in John 17, Father, sanctify them by the truth. Your Word is truth. So you see, truth is not what I suppose it to be. Truth is not what I feel like it is. Truth is not what somebody else conceives it to be, and I agree with them, because philosophers have created diverse systems of ideas, and almost all of them are contradictory. Truth is what God says. Truth is what the Bible says. God is the source of truth because He is truth. 
And he has established our universe on laws that conform to who he is. And God has given us a book that reveals established truth to us. And especially, if I may say so, moral and spiritual truth. The Bible is not primarily a history book. It's not primarily a mathematics book. It's not primarily a science book. God leaves those areas of discovery and conclusion to us, but the Bible does give to us revelation of God regarding spiritual and moral truth. Through the Bible, we come to understand truth. But here's another point that you need to get a hold of. Not only do we come to understand truth, truth is not only what we know, it's how we choose to live because of what we know. I walk in the truth when I align my life with what God says. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Say this with me. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight. What that verse is really saying is, align your life with God's truth. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean upon your own understandings and conclusions, especially when it comes to moral and spiritual truth. Trust in the Lord what He has said. In all your ways, align yourself with Him. And he then will direct your journey and make your path straight. One of the greatest inventions and toys in the last uh, few years is the GPS navigational system for cars. I was riding with some folks who have that recently. I couldn't take my eyes off of it. It's probably a good thing I don't have it in my car because I'd be watching it rather than the road. Amazing. We sat here in San Jose and we typed in an address in Simi Valley, California. And with that GPS system, we drove directly to where we wanted to go. It told us every road, every turn to make, it named the streets, and all the driver had to do was align himself with what the GPS system said to do. We arrived at our destination. I want to say to you that that's what this verse in Proverbs is saying. Let God be your GPS system when it comes to how you live. Align your life to what he says and you will get to your destination. That's wisdom. But on the other hand, if I conform to the world's ideas and deny God's truth, that's foolishness. And folks, there's a lot of foolishness going on these days. Everybody else is doing it. I'm going to do it too. Oh, that's not sex. It doesn't matter what we do because he loves me. He says we're, we're going to get married. It's my life. I can do what I want to with it. 
I just want to have some fun. Are those not the kinds of statements that control people's lives? If you want to get your life totally screwed up, if you want to end up in the wrong destination, live by those kinds of statements because those statements are the world's foolishness. You have just turned off God's GPS when you listen to those kinds of statements and follow them. Rather, what we need to do is to turn on God's word and God's wisdom and listen to his truth because it has intrinsic power to change or to sanctify us. Paul has some strong words of admonition in Ephesians chapter 4, and I come quickly to my close as we look at this. With the Lord's authority, he says, I say this, live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are what? Hopelessly confused. Their minds are what? Full of darkness. They what? Wander far from the life God gives. Why? Because they have what? Closed their minds and what? Hardened their hearts against him. That's where relativism leads. That's where all of the wrong thinking that is so dominant in our culture today leads. And what does it go on to say? They, therefore, have no what? No sense of shame. Look at this. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. But that isn't what you learned about Christ, says Paul to us. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned what? The truth that comes from him. Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Oh, those are great words for us today. Truth is what God says. If we are followers of Jesus Christ today, we have heard, we have learned. Now we are to live in what we know. Pilate said, what is truth? And what I've helped, I hope, all of us see a little better is this. The truth is what God is. Truth is what God establishes. Truth is what God says. Someone may say, how can I be sure that I've discovered the truth? How can I be sure? Let me answer it this way. You Know the truth when, number one, you trust Christ. You know the truth when you trust Christ. You need not fear error in your belief system from that point on that will lead you away from God. Jesus said, I am the way, what? The truth and the life. 
He also said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. You see, the consequence of not knowing Christ is to remain in confusion and darkness and hardness and for your life to be really messed up in bondage. But you know the truth that sets you free when you trust Christ as your Lord and Savior. Have you trusted Him? Secondly, you know the truth when you face hostility. When you face hostility. You see, the world does not harass those who join it in suppressing the truth. But it will inevitably and eventually attack those who proclaim the truth. The world rejected Jesus and it will reject you if you walk in the truth. Jesus said in John 17, verse 14, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them. For they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. Whenever you suffer ridicule in your classroom because you stand for truth, count that as a, a badge of courage and honor. It is an honor to suffer shame in the world for the sake of him who is the truth. If you're not a part of the truth, the world is going to love you to death. It's just going to embrace you and think you're the greatest thing since sliced bread because you're with the world, you're of the world. But if you're a follower of Jesus Christ and you know the truth, you're going to face hostility in the world. Don't be afraid of it. Jesus said that we would, but he said, be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. Thirdly, you know the truth when you practice holiness. Because you see, the truth of God's word will inevitably correct your thinking and it will adjust your attitudes. It will check your motives. And so it will end up changing your lifestyle. It will end up changing your lifestyle. Paul said, throw off the old patterns of attitude and behavior. He said, put on the new. You know that you know the truth when your life is changing little by little to be more and more like Jesus. Is that the direction of your life? As you look back over the last year, do you see little changes going on in the way you think and the way you act that make you more like Jesus? The Apostle John said, I have no greater joy than this than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Do you know that that's the greatest assurance you can have of salvation? That you are walking in the truth? None of us has arrived. None of us is perfect. There are times we still fail the Lord, but the bent of our lives, the journey of our lives is in the direction of being more and more like Him. I want to conclude with this little statement that you've seen on bumper stickers or maybe you've, uh, you've used yourself, but it says, know Christ, N-O Christ, no peace. But know Christ, K-N-O-W, Christ, no peace.
Do you know peace today? Do you have peace in your heart because Jesus is your Savior? And you're walking with him as the Lord of your life and you're seeking to align your life according to the truth. Let me tell you, you're going to hear all kinds of interference. There will be other signals sent to you from within your own body, your own flesh. And there will be signals from the devil and signals from your peers who will seek to misdirect you and lead you in a different direction. But all you need to do is keep that GPS centered on God's truth. And you will pass through this world and arrive in heaven. Let's pray. God, we live in a world that is continually beaming lies into our minds and into our hearts. Every day we are bombarded with it in what we read and what we watch, the things that we hear from friends, even the thoughts of our own corrupt natures. I pray that we will know the truth. And then in a world that denies it even exists, that we will know it exists and we will have it, we will own it, we will be in it, we will walk in it, it will direct our lives. I pray that may be true of every single one of us in the sound of my voice this morning so that we may live in this world to bring pleasure to you and one day know beyond the shadow of a doubt that when we leave this world, which we must, that we will come home to the kingdom, to the place where truth reigns on the throne. Amen. We are now going to remember him who is the truth and who spoke